Hello and welcome once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Community is something we all crave, believers and non-believers. The Sunday Assembly is a non-religious gathering founded last January in London by two stand-up comedians who want a church without church. And they've already grown to 40 gatherings in four countries. Lead teacher Randy Pope starts the new series Traveling in Packs, finding community in your personal life with this message entitled The Essence of Biblical Community, which covers Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Thank you for joining us today. I'm entitling this new series Traveling in Packs. Uh, Maybe when you hear that, you have the same thought I did. I thought of uh, uh, what brought this to mind was the idea of of wolves who travel in packs. The byline of the series will be finding community in your personal life. And I thought, I don't know why, I thought of wolves who travel in packs. And I didn't know that much about wolves, but I studied to find out what is true of the wolves. Do I want to keep this title or not? And so I began to study. I found it very intriguing. Not only do wolves travel in packs, but you know that wolves are very social animals. Just like we are social beings, they are as social as any animal. They, uh, they travel in packs and they rely on each other, but they really are an extended family. Uh, whatever are traveling together, they think of themselves and they act at least as a family. Whether they think that way, they act as if they are family. Reality is that they... Uh, they find their food with one another. In fact, they can, uh, they can prey on animals 10 times their size just because of their capacity to work together in the hunt for their food. As a, uh, as a group of animals, they uh, defend territory as a group. They actually raise their young as a unit. It's like one family. They care for each other's little ones and so forth and protect them and look after them and so forth. They, uh, they have a unique ability to communicate, and they do so so effectively that they, uh, that they rarely are in conflict one with the other. When they are in conflict, which is rare, they have a hierarchy among them, and it's not based on which animal is the strongest and the largest. It's literally based on which one has, has given evidence to having the best leadership. Which one tends to take them and move along and everybody wants to follow? And and then when there's conflict, that one wolf will actually solve that conflict, comes in between and whatever needs to be done. It's really an amazing story of how they travel in packs and as such, they live together in a much safer and healthier manner. And as I read that, I said, that's a good title because that's exactly what you and I need. We need to rely on each other. I would imagine that there is a large percentage of us here that pretty much live our Christian faith by ourselves. I'm not doubting that we have an intense desire and interest to follow the Lord and to to get to know Him better, but we pretty much do it alone. It's not that we don't have activity with other Christians, but our activity is simply just activity. It's not a communal life together. And so we launched this very brief three-week series with the understanding that I have that I will never do justice to describe how much you and I need others in our personal lives 
this thing called community, biblical community, to get where we need to go in our spiritual lives. I'll say this. I think the absence of biblical community is possibly the single major reason that some of us are spiritually sputtering along and not making much progress. It's probably the single reason why some of us here are finding our personal disciplines very difficult. And we don't understand, we don't connect the fact that I've been out of an environment that I need that would help me personally in my own disciplines. I think it's a, a reason why many of us as Christians, though we want to make impact in other people's lives, we haven't and we're not. And we ask ourselves, okay, the end of a year, beginning of a new year, whose lives have been impacted spiritually who are different people today because I lived my life where I did and how I did? And many of us say, not much this past year, and would never connect it to this idea that we've been outside an environment of communal life. So we'll call this traveling in packs. I'm going to suggest that once we figure out what it is, which is my job for three weeks to discuss it, talk about it from God's Word, understand it fully, I'm going to suggest that once we do understand it, we ought to chase after it with everything we have until we experience it and know we found it. And that's my challenge to every one of us. Let's say this year, 2014, this year we're going to find this thing called biblical community. And watch what happens in our lives. Now, in light of that great need, I have over the past year, previous year, been spending a lot of time thinking about communal living. This is not simply a series that pops up right now. Many of you who've been a part of this church for the last few years, you know that well over a year ago, I met with as many people who would be willing to come in different small venues, and we met together. We called it all in to go all out, and we cast the vision for the future of this church for a two-year period. And one of the things that I shared was a, an illustration it was a, an illustration that I had used with the staff a month or two previous, and they said, you might want to just share that with the church. In a very crude way, before the staff, I'd taken a, a piece of paper, and I, and I just drew, as best I could, a picture of a table with four legs. And I had on the, on the table a number of canisters. And I shared with the staff, I said, staff, we spend a lot of our time working on these canisters. They're ministries of our church, and we have a lot of very, very good ones. And we've got to keep pursuing and building those canisters and filling them well and so forth. But, but we've got to take notice of this table and the four legs because, in my opinion, as I've studied church through the years and understand philosophy of ministry, I'll tell you there are four major platforms upon which we build strength and health in the life of church. And I know not all churches would agree that these four are so vital. Many focus on only one, but I've got to have all four of these. One is worship. We've got to make sure our worship corporately is healthy, is just as, as strong as we can possibly make it. We don't need to make it the entertaining show, but we need to make it healthy worship. We meet God week in and week out. Number two, we've got to make sure that this ministry is undergirded with strong shepherding hearts and capabilities of resources, that we are shepherding people. 
And so uh, we've, we've got to make sure that, that somebody who's new, somebody who's just connecting, just joining the church and so forth, they have a crisis. There's somebody, even though they don't know many people, can get to them. That other people who do know them, if they've come in and they've built relationships, that there's a support system. And so we started this ministry a, a few years ago, building strength into the shepherding groups of this church. Every member comes into the church, and they've got at least a connection, an opportunity now, and that we're trying to build that, and we're spending incredible hours in Areas of shepherding, building strength. I said, we're doing pretty good there. Always can go further, but we're doing pretty good. Both of those areas. Thirdly, discipleship. It's kind of been the, the backbone of this church through the years. Strong discipleship where men meet with men and women meet with women. And you're talking about experiencing communal life? Yes, they do. However, we've got a fourth area, and it has to do with people who are not in discipleship. It's not a season for everyone to be in discipleship every year. We know that. And so what about the balance of the church and new people are coming in who are not yet in discipleship? What about the peoples of this church beyond our journey groups? And that's the fourth leg, and I call that community. We've got to make sure that our people are being put in environments of community. Now, I do want to say this. And uh, if we can on the slide, I'm pushing a, maybe a little ahead, but, but I have a statement that I personally make about community and what the church can and cannot do. I want to I show that to you. I actually wanted this on screen just so I can say it to you twice exactly the same. The church cannot give you biblical community. It can only put you in environments where biblical community can be pursued. I hope you hear that. Don't ever think that if you go to church... And you just go to church, you're going to find community. It will not happen, folks. It will not happen. It could happen, but it probably won't. What the church can do is put you in environments, and then you have to work to build this thing called community. I'm going to be talking about what that is for these three weeks. I want you to know it when you see it. I want you to pick up on it when you smell it. You're going to say, this is it. I'm around it now. I'm experiencing it now. So I've got to teach you to do that. But one thing this church has to also do is to give you environments that you can walk into easily to get connected so that you can build community. So if you're hearing what I'm saying, you don't get in a group and therefore you have community. But you've got to be in a group to find community. A small enough group that what we're calling real community can take place. So, over a year ago, I started spending a lot of time. And I'm talking about incredible numbers of hours. You would be shocked to see how many hours I spent alone just thinking, how do we do this in the life of our church? How do we go about it? Until a strategy began to emerge and the staff began to get on board and we began to to play it out and figure out how we're going to do this. And so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be introducing, as we said we would at our all-in meetings, we're going to be introducing this year what we call connect groups. It's for people in discipleship and not in discipleship. So just think of the whole church. In fact, the way we're going to do this is we're going to launch kind of a, a beginning of these groups, three successive Sunday nights. We're going to be inviting the whole church to participate and to come here and to watch a video series for three weeks. It's going to be on the nature, if you were a part of this, a couple thousand people a few years ago came to Financial Peace University 
and we uh, listened to the videos of Dave Ramsey for a short period, and then we all broke into our groups, and we went all over this church. We were massed everywhere, and we went into our little groups. We're going to do that for three weeks. I won't tell you now how you find your groups and how you can make up your groups or how you can join a group if you don't know anybody. We'll, we're going to make that known. But we want you to put those three Sunday nights on your calendar. Church-wide, we're going to come together. At the end of that, we'll break into our groups, and we're going to try to experience some environments that are going to give us opportunity for us to be able to find community. And doing that, we are rescheduling our whole discipleship so that the month of February for those three weeks, those groups do not need to continue. They'll still get everything in during the year that we're trying to do. Uh, if you choose to go ahead and meet, that's your call. You can do that. But we want to have everything cleared out where on those three weeks we can at least give birth to environments. After that, those groups are going to move into homes and they'll move into, we've got about 200 hosts and the homes for those hosts to be able to, to care for these groups. They'll go into homes. They'll meet as often as that group chooses to meet, once a month, twice a month, whatever their capacity and interest is of the group. Uh, at that point, somebody could stop and say, I'm not moving into the home group. Discipleship people can say, that's too much for me. I'm going back to my discipleship now. Won't be in the group. That's fine. And then it'll be open to new people to be able to come into those groups as time goes on, as the groups continue. So just want you to know that they are coming, and it's going to be a very, very interesting and good time. We're going to be having Chip Ingram, and if you know that name, a nationally known teacher is going to be doing a wonderful series that we'll start with and we'll take the rest of that into the homes as we move past that uh, three-week period. Uh, but he is going to be uh, presenting some great content, uh, not having to do with how to manage your money like we did before. This is going to be how do you manage your life. And so I think you're going to find it to be a great time. So hopefully everybody will be a part of that, okay? Now, Having shared that, I want you now to turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts, and I'd like for you to turn to chapter 2. As you're doing that, let me, uh, let me suggest that if you were to take a survey of this church, I'm sure it would be no different than the national survey that's, uh, that's asking the same question. The question is, what are you looking for in a church? If you ask nationally, people, anybody goes to church, what are you looking for in your church? You're going to a new church. What are you looking for? Do you know what the number one answer is? The word that comes up is fellowship. I'm going to be using the word biblical community. Unfortunately, fellowship to most people means social activity with Christians. It does include social activity, but I want you to know it's far more than that. I love the way Charles or Chuck Colson puts it in his book, The Body, which is the church, the body. And he says, the world has its happy hours at their clubs while believers have their fellowship hours in the fellowship hall. And they think that is fellowship. Well, it certainly can include that, but it is far more. He goes on to say, but the word for fellowship in the New Testament Greek Koinonia means none of these. It is something much richer. Literally, it means a participation of people together in God's grace. It describes a new community in which individuals willingly covenant to share in common, to be in submission to each other, to support one another, and to bear one another's burdens. Now, when you see that, wow, look at that. To be 
to share in common. We're going to be talking about that. Submission to each other, supporting one another, bearing each other's burdens. And then, as Paul wrote to the Galatians, and to build each other up in relationship with the Lord. Now, that's what I want us to explore in our text. I'll take you, if you will, to uh, Acts 2, and we'll go to verses 42 through 47. I'd like for you to listen as I read the Word of God. This is the early church experience. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. Many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. That's an interesting phrase there. That is the word for fellowship, literally. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple... And breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now here's what I want to do, and it'll take only a few minutes. It's a very simple text. I want us, first of all, to look at three necessary activity for experiencing biblical community. Three activities. So let's look at verse 42 one more time. Here they are. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, number one, to fellowship, number two, and I'm going to say number three, the breaking of bread and to prayer. So let's look at this first one, the apostles' teaching. Now, if you're taking notes, some of you do. If you do, you might want to just put in parentheses right next to that truth component, That's what I'm going to suggest is a truth component. You and I cannot sit and listen to the apostles' teaching in the sense that they're there present and someone is teaching. You and I can't go to a Bible study and whoever's teaching say that's on the equivalency of listening to this person as listening to one of the apostles. What we can say, though, is that the the idea of the apostles' teaching would be synonymous with the idea of the Word of God because God was literally speaking through them in the writing of the New Testament. didn't mean everything that they said was to be taken as inspired of God. But this particular use of the apostles' teaching for us today would be suggesting that we are sitting under the truth, the Word of God. That Word of God may come through some very special teachers uh, who are gifted and very capable of breaking open the Word of God. It could be that we're sitting together among ourselves and say, here, we're breaking open the the Word of God. This This is the teaching of God, equivalent to the apostles' teaching, but we're kind of sharing as novices in the Word together. We're not, a, we're not necessarily Bible scholars and teachers, but but let's get into the truth of God and let's see what it has to say. I'm going to suggest to you that this truth component is really suggesting that you're building an environment here where conversations are not necessarily all spiritual conversations, but they're guided by the reality of God's truth, the attitudes that are displayed in relationships one with the other. They're directed by the Word of God. 
the, the activities that you're doing would be honoring in such a way that we would be thinking in terms of how is this honoring to the Lord, whether it be a quote-unquote spiritual activity. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. Maybe it's just a social activity. But the idea is that God's Word prevails in that environment that we're going to call an environment of community. That's why you can build community in your neighborhood, in your social club, wherever you want. But it's going to be different in that people would not have all things in common with the truth of God, saying that's where we're really living our lives. So that would be component number one. Number two, fellowship. I'm going to call this the people component. So you might want to just write that in, people. Environment, God's Word, yes, but also an environment of God's people. People not just being people, but living together as people. And so the word koinonia here, the word koinonia means in common, meaning having things in common. You know that you're touching on an environment of community, real biblical community, when you have this sense that what I have, my time, my resources, whatever it is, whatever I have, I would gladly want to give to you so that you could experience what you need. Now, I will have to be honest and say, I am by nature, we all are to some degree, I perhaps more than many of you, by nature, a selfish person. I do not have the gift of giving. It is a spiritual gift, and I do not have it. Were there the gift of receiving? I would say maybe so. <laughs> but there is a gift of giving, and I'm around some people, and I'll tell you, they just give and give, 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 you know, anybody, and they see somebody, oh, here, you take this, here, you take that. No, I... I love giving monies to the Lord. That's something that I've developed over the years and found to be a, a treat and so forth. But, but in terms of just saying, here's my time and here's my this and here's that, I just want to give it to you. But do you know where I come the closest to being a real giving person? It's when I'm with my family. I will find myself, we're going out to eat with the family, and I, maybe budget's tight. I wouldn't care. Hey, it's on me. Let's play. You know, here, what do you want? You get what you want to get. You no, know, no, go ahead. Oh, no, we'll do that. We'll have, there's just something about it. our grandkids. Grandkids, oh, yeah, you, here, let me do this. Sure. Oh, here, you want to play? Sure, you want this? Yeah, I'd be happy. There is a far greater tendency for me to be giving to them. You know why? Family. There's something about family. And you can be with people and say, these are fine people. And I know they're Christians and they're in the larger family, but there are other people that you get close, you say, but these are really family. There's something about these people. They are really family. When you begin to experience that, you know that you found community. Number three, I'm going to put breaking of bread and prayer together. I'm going to call this the worship component. There is a there's an idea of which you come together and you, you from time to time are worshiping together. The idea of breaking a bread, that's simply another language for communion or the Lord's table as we would know it today. You take the Lord's table, the communal worship experience, the prayers literally. The prayers are referring to prayers that Christians are uniting together and praying together as a group. And so... 
You find a community where you feel close enough that you can pray together about what's on your heart and mind. You can ask other people to pray for you and the things that are part of your life experience. When that happens, you begin to find community. I know this, my journey group year in and year out, I sense community. I do. We're meeting together weekly. We're inviting each other into our life experience. But you know, there's a need for some of us to do that in community and to do it with gender mix, not just the guys we meet with or the ladies you're meeting with, but to be able to do it together. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to start connect groups, not just for people who can't be in journey groups, but also for people who say, I'm in journey, but I need to find a, more of a, a, you know, a gender mix opportunity for social reasons to take us into community, whatever. And so for that reason, we said, good, let's be doing that. Now, I want you to remember those three components. Just to make it simple. It's the truth component, there's a people component, and there's a worship component. You put those together in an environment and watch out. You've got the possibility of experiencing community. Go in among Christians and take any of those three away, and I'm going to suggest you're probably not going to build strong, strong community. All right? Now, Let's now talk about some of the evidences. And I'm going to suggest three evidences of true biblical community are given in our text. And now we read to the next verses. First, believers taking care of one another. That would be number one, believers taking care of one another. That's found in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. It reads like this. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. They began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Now, all things in common is the key word there. All things in common. Now, a lot of people have looked at this through the years. Many of you have heard this, and they say this is a biblical support for socialized whatever and communism, call it whatever, and that's really the ideal world. Well, not so. You've got to understand that what we're reading here is in the book of Acts, and it's what we call descriptive, not prescriptive. You hear those words? Young Bible students, learn this. The book of Acts, like some other books in the Bible, is a historical book. You never build theology on a historical writing. The historical writing is descriptive. If you go to a book such as Ephesians or Romans, many of the epistles, the epistles typically, what they are, are they are didactic books. They are for teaching. So we gain our theology there. It is prescribed, and then we find it in historical books being described. You never take a description and turn your theology out of it, always the other way around. What we have here is something that was very appropriate and allowable, but nothing that's ever in Scripture been described or prescribed that we must do. That is, take all of your possessions, and it seems as if they kind of put them into one big pot and everybody used whatever, however. Nothing wrong with that. But it's underscoring that this is the way, in essence, that we as Christians live. That is, I have my possessions, you have your possessions. I have my time, you have your time. 
But I'm going to say to those with whom I'm in community, look, this is for you if you need it. Somebody in community together, you go, come on, how do we help each other? And let me tell you, Perimeter Church, you are a church with people, I mean, so stoked and ready for that kind of life. You are that kind of people individually. I'm telling you, I hear stories all the time that amaze me of the people in this church. Just this week, I'm with a, just somebody that's been a layman in this church for many years, number of years. We're with them and has a a life-ending disease unless God were some way to miraculously uh, turn things around. And we were asking, how are you doing? And, uh, you know, what's, you know, fill us in on your life and how it's going and so forth. And, and uh, we were just having dinner together, Carol and I. And we never had dinner with this family before, but we just said, let's, let's you know, we've, we've known them for years. They've been in the church for many years. We said, let's get together. And we did. And what a delightful time. And, and we're asking, said, how are you doing in light of, you know, facing a diagnosis that says, you know, boy, it doesn't look good at all. Um, could be sooner than later what we, that the Lord takes you. How are you doing? And as challenging as it is, I wish you could have heard their story of Perimeter Church and what's happened. One of the stories that uh, he shared was a family in the church, and I uh, gather they weren't a close friends. It was just somebody in the church came to them, found out their situation, said, look, I want you to have the, we want you to have the vacation of your life all on us. I want to pay for everything. And I don't want you to sell it short with just trying to get by and go somewhere. And do, no, I want you to have the time of your life together. They said they paid for it all. So they felt like, how do we do it? How? No, you just please do it. I want to give that to you. We've got a, um, a couple that's just come to Perimeter uh, this year. Um, many of you know the Iverson family. The Iverson family moved here to be what we call a, a um, resident uh, in preparation for doing church planting. Kimberly there with uh, Danny and those five kids. They got here to Atlanta uh, coming out of graduate school, uh, being in Orlando, and they moved here and were finding all kind of illnesses and things that were hitting them that just seemed odd, and they began to do some investigation and so forth. Long story short, they found out that the home that they were living in in Orlando was uh, just full of very, very uh, dangerous um, uh, mold uh, of all type, just very, very serious stuff. And they had mold experts come in, and they said, you're going to have to get rid of every single thing you own. I mean, virtually everything. And we're talking furniture. We're talking curtains to, to toys, stuffed toys, favorite this, anything that had been in that house, you got to get rid of it. They found out that not only would their insurance not cover it, but neither would the insurance of the previous owner of, that, of the home that they were renting there. And so here they were without anything. New city, knowing very few people. And he shared this with me in writing. And um, I think this tells it all. He said, within days of this hard situation and circumstances, our our church family here at Perimeter had mobilized uh, around us. A dear family of six chose to open their home to our family of seven and adopt us for the three weeks that it would take to make our house mold-free and move back in. Countless people we had never met 
treated us like family. I love that. Shared with us money, meals, gift cards, clothes, furniture, toys, everything else we would need to refurnish our home. We couldn't believe the way God provided what we needed each day. We have a nicer home now than we did before the mold situation. God allowed us to see the people of God in action, loving, sharing, sacrificing for those in need. But the greatest treasure of all of this whole situation was not the material things God provided in our time of need. The greatest gift for us was experiencing the love of Jesus in such a tangible way through our perimeter family and the amazing friendships and community we have formed in the process of receiving their love and generosity. We are thankful to the members here at Perimeter. There is nothing quite like gospel community, and it makes us long and hope all the more for the eternal reality found in Jesus. Great story of how God just used you as people. Didn't even know him, brand new to the community here, and took him under wing and helped him out and so forth. I hear those kind of stories, not maybe to that, to that magnitude, but I hear it all the time. We are so primed and ready. I just regret that I have not, in my leadership, put you in an easily-to-get-to opportunity of small group. Discipleship's so good, but we got to find this for all. And I think you're going to find this to be a great, at least, opportunity to explore the environment. Now, let's look at the second of the evidences. It's believers socializing together. And the 46th verse at the end reads like this. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. Now, this is the social component. It's a very real part. Here where we see they were breaking bread together or taking meals together is not the Lord's table. This is they were just going from home to home, and they were socializing together. In their culture, much like ours, eating is everything. If you want to enjoy people, then you eat together, right? And they were doing that. should work very easily for us. We're going to try to have a food component in our, in our uh, time together, whether it's a meal or whether it's a snack or whatever. We're going to eat together and you know, have opportunity to socialize and so forth just to get to know each other. Remember, these are environments where we have the potential of building community. Number three, very important aspect too, believers effectively reaching those outside the church. So verse 47 Praising God, having favor with all the people. And then it says, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. You do get a sense in reading the text that the idea of people getting saved was connected to the way they were living. Some of you have experiences where you just watched some of us in community together and said, I want to be a part of that. I can't tell you the number of times in my Christian experience through the years that I've seen people who say, what you've got as a group, that is so good. One of the guys in my journey group, I'm trying to help equip my guys how to share their faith. And I said, you know, you, you know put me with somebody. Put me with somebody who, you know, that is not, has any, you know, as far as you know, relationship with the Lord. Maybe they do, maybe they don't, but you don't have an idea. Somebody that, just bring them and let's have a meal together and and then we'll just see where God takes it. Maybe there's an opportunity to watch as I might lead them into the opportunity of truth and so forth. And so he said to me, well, you know, why don't you, why don't you do this? And he said, I've got somebody I meet with to do this. Why don't you join me? And so I started joining, and we were just together. Nothing was talked about spiritually, nothing. And several weeks went by, and that person calls the man in my group and says, 
you guys have got something that I want to explore. Can I meet with you and just tell me what is it y'all have? We get together and got to share the gospel and, and just said all in and now they're part of this church and it's just so fun to watch them and this family as they've come apart and so forth and becoming apart. And I go, you know, it's the way it should work. They should see something among us and in us and say, I want a taste of that. And that's what we want to see in these groups. They're going to be open to folks that can come in and neighbors and friends as they come and experience something that is going to be in such a way that even as a non-Christian, they could come in and say, hmm, smells good. I like it. Maybe I want to keep coming. I tried to model this this summer on my own with a, just a few friends. I said, can we meet together and let's open up and invite our friends into, the, into this little group for about six weeks or so. Let's just to model and see what happens. And uh, it was such a great environment. And without a question, we said, yeah, this is the type of thing you can invite people into and say, hmm, like it. Adding to the number daily, the evidences of being a real community. All this to say, there is a communal nature of the Christian faith. It is never to be done in isolation. And I'd like to ask in closing, would you be honest do you think you're living in community? In a real biblical community, have you, have you tasted that? Are you experiencing it on a regular basis? I'll put it this way. I think we all need these three. Number one, we all need what I'm going to call supportive friends. Supportive friends. We need many supportive friends. Some of you are brand new to Atlanta. Some of you are brand new to this church, and you're going, man, I don't have many supportive friends right now, Man, I hope these groups are going to give you an opportunity to meet new people and build some supportive friends. Now, keep in mind, supportive friends are good, but they're not good enough because supportive friends, they don't really, they don't work into your life in such a way. They actually kind of accept you for what they see in you and think of you, but they don't know you really. I don't know if they would be supportive friends if they really got to know you and me. They may say, uh-uh, I, I was kind of picturing you as somebody a little different than you really are. Never mind. <laughs> now, it's nothing wrong with having supportive friends. You want some. Because it's out of supportive friends that you'll finally get some folks that are what I call a few significant friends, number two. We all need a few significant friends, and that's what I'm drilling in on here do you have a few do you really have a few these are people who say I kind of know who you are and I accept you just the way you are these are the people unlike the supportive friends that they see something they don't like new supportive friends probably maybe go well okay I might want to back away I'm certainly not going to come and approach you about your issue but these people say you know we have mutually agreed upon you know, values in life, and you know what? You need to hear from me right now. These are the people who say, I see your burden, and I want to bear it with you. These are people that when somebody dies that you love and your heart is ripped open, these are the people that you want to see walk into your front door. These are the people you say, I need you. But you can never really have that, not in reality until you have one 
the one and only supernatural friend. That's what everybody here has to have. I spend my entire ministry talking about that one supernatural friend. And then from time to time, we have to zero in on other issues that are related. Well, this one is related. We need a few significant friends, all under the understanding that the way we can have significant friends is by having the true friendship with Jesus. You go to the cross, you see his love, his unconditional love, accepting us just the way we are. Something happens to our heart. It's called a rebirth. We find new life. And with that new life, let me tell you, we find ourselves willing to live the same way among other people. And that builds true community. If you've never met Jesus, you go to the cross, stare at what he's done. Think about what he's done for you, why he did it. Then once you find your heart saying, I want to follow you, Jesus, then you know you've come to know him. You've come to love him. You follow after him. And then build community as we pray together. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, some of us here are perhaps uh, not even enjoying supportive friends right now. And we need some. Would you grant us to start building a number of supportive friends that maybe we need to add to whom we have? Others of us have so many supportive friends. As there seems to be not much room for many more. Just uh, very little time and capacity to keep the friendships. You know our need and where we are. Would you meet it? Would you show us? Lord, out of out of the friends we have or the friends we'll make, God, would you grant us to have a few significant friends? Thank you for the ones here in this church that are enjoying those significant friends and are finding great progress in their faith because of them. Lord, I pray that even next week as we learn how these friends live together, how significant friends make life together, I pray you're going to touch us and give us an appetite for it. Lord, would you grant everyone here to have those friends very, very, very soon, if not already. And Lord, I do pray for that one significant relationship that we all need with you. Some of us are longing for it now. Some of us are inviting it. And we pray, hear those that invite it now and dwell their hearts, change their lives. Let them be the great friends to others. So Father, you meet our need, whatever it is. And in these three weeks and the weeks that follow, do something real special as we build that fourth leg of this church, grant it, we pray, in the matchless name of our Savior Jesus, amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.